everyone. This is Ryan Guy, and you're listening to Convos with the Collective, the Denver Women's Sports Collective podcast from the DNVR studio in downtown Denver. Alrighty, friends, welcome to episode three of Combos with the Collective. Today, we are talking with Deanna Witter. Deanna, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Deanna is in her third season with the Houston Dynamo and Dash and serves as the club's chief revenue officer. She is responsible for the revenue generation strategy and execution for the club, including overseeing the ticket sales and service along with corporate partnership sales and marketing teams for the Houston Dynamo, Dash, and BBVA Stadium. Deanna was recently honored by the Sports Business Journal as a member of the Game Changers class of 2020. The Sports Business Journal Game Changers list is published annually, showcasing women who are making incredible impacts on the sports community. So Deanna, it is no secret that you have had a extremely successful career. So first off, I just want to ask you, why did you get into sports? Yeah, um, well, thank you for the introduction. And, you know, why I got into sports, it's, it's actually, um, it's interesting. It really just launches when I was a kid and just being an athlete and playing sports and being a part of the team and how I felt about being an athlete is how I wanted to feel for the rest of my life. And so I, um, I was that sort of obsessive tomboy um, student. I was just, yeah, I was just in boy clothes every day. My mom would have to like pay me to wear a dress if I was required to wear a dress or something. Um, and I truly was sort of mindset that I wanted to play professionally. Um, it was clear that I was not going to go professional at a young age because I, I just wasn't that great. Um, let's be honest. I was very realistic about my potential, um, but my passion was there. And I think that was key. And it's like, I wanted to make that passion my purpose. What was that first moment where you were like, okay, this is it. I'm going into sports. I might not be an athlete. I might not be a paid professional athlete, but I want to work in sports and this is where I'm going. What was that first moment for you? Yeah, so I was, this is, this is a very distinctive event that happened. So um, it was for my, it was for my 14th birthday. My mom through a friend hooked it up for me and my best friend, Richard, um, to sit at a score at the scores table of the Detroit Pistons versus Golden State Warriors match. And I thought as usual, we'd be sitting upstairs and, you know, the last seats in the house and, um, you know, through this connection, he was able to pull some strings and we sat right at the sports table next to the bench and all these people, I remember the game being really, it was a really big game actually that the Pistons like had like the biggest point deficit they've ever had or something that they, that they won by. And I remember all these people walking around in suits. I thought, man, I don't know what those people do, but I want to do that. And that was sort of the image that was stuck in my head. And I knew I had to go to college. I knew I had to, to figure out what the professional route was of working on the professional side of the sports teams. It's like, clearly these games just don't happen on their own. There's, there's a whole <laughs> crew of people who have jobs to make the experiences that right. I was sort of falling in love with happen. And I, I, I saw that as my opportunity. And that was, that was the moment. That is awesome. I love that you mentioned also that you saw men in suits and that's what got you back to the tomboy growing up. You're like, I want to do that. Yep. Um, but that kind of goes to 
a question that I had for you. I mean, here recently, we've had a lot more women representing in our industry, um, but for a long time, women didn't necessarily feel like they had a position or could fit in within the sports industry. So tell me a little bit about what that was like for you, a woman, a woman working in sports. Yeah. You know, I think in the beginning it, um, I didn't see much divide. I mean, I think when you, when you get an entry level, everything seems like everybody is sort of fighting competing for an opportunity, especially when you're in a sales position. I think it's a lot more apparent that, um, it's key. And I think what I really tapped into that those first years of getting into the industry and sort of recognizing there was something that was really clear to me. Yes, there's a lot of men, right? There's no, you can't deny that there's a lot of men in this industry, sure. but the, the individuals that were climbing the ladder or growing their careers had nothing to do with them being a man. It had to do with them dominating and being successful, um, accomplishing the goals that were set up for them. Absolutely. Um, so when I say, and I've, I've said this before, but when I saw the words male dominating, I just removed the word male and just really wanted to focus in on that. This is a dominating industry, no different than the skill set and the, and the things that I tapped into of why I love playing sports. I love to go out on the court, the field, and I love to dominate. I wanted to be the best player out there. I wanted to be the I wanted to be the athlete that people saw as the potential that when I was a freshman in, in high school, that I could be potentially the varsity on the varsity team. And not just on the team, I wanted to be the captain of that team. It didn't matter my age, my gender, my background, my race. All that mattered was that I was really good. And that same, that, that also applies to this industry, specifically mm-hmm. probably more on the revenue generating side, because everything's so measurable. You can't, the numbers are the numbers. You know? right. And I think that was really clear for me. So I just ignored sort of that noise that you hear that this is a male dominated street, you're a woman, whatever. That doesn't matter. The numbers speak for themselves. And I was going to focus in on that and allow myself to sort of elevate and, and succeed and, and see where it took me. Um, and it's taken me here. So um, that was that was sort of my approach and how I looked at it. I love that. It's like, show them the stats. Like, <laughs> that's all that matters. You know, we're in sports. Give me the stat sheet. That's uh, right. Uh, <laughs> so another thing, you've also got a very successful podcast called Women Blazers. Um, you just announced you're releasing the second season. So congratulations for that. Tell me what it was like, because you started one year ago. It's uh, the end of March. Everyone knows what was happening in this world at that time. So what was that like for you starting a podcast during these crazy times that we just had? Yeah, so I um, I had thought about the podcast for a while prior to COVID, um, you know, sort of messing up our world last year, in this past year. Um, but I had been thinking about the podcast back last fall um, when we ended our season um, last November in, in 2019. And um, I don't know, I just was really inspired with the multiple conversations I was having with women at that time. When I when I got this appointment as a chief revenue officer, um, I, I, I was aware, but I wasn't tr- truly aware of what this meant um, for other women, like sort of this sort of breakthrough situation. I, I never saw it that way personally until I started getting this, this n- a number of calls and reach outs on LinkedIn. Like, I just want to have a conversation with you. I want to learn more about your story, your journey, 
sort of how you got there. I did that. (laughs) (laughs) I was one of those people. And then there's this like aha moment, like, you know, I'm trying to mentor, I'm trying to do my part. Um, but what could I do more? It's like, you know, something just about giving my time to someone is so valuable. If that's, if time is valuable, I would love to give my time in any, in any way I can. And, and so, um, I started thinking about podcasts, like I'm having conversations just like everybody else was having conversations with me. I'm having conversations with my colleagues and women colleagues around the industry too. Why not record them and share them? Um, think about the benefit and value that could bring to the industry, to, to individuals that are growing their careers, men and women, um, at the same time. And so um, I actually, during the holiday break, I actually wrote it up, came up with the name and looked at the platform. I got some recommendations and talked to some peers, that some trusted peers about the about the launch. And if they thought it was crazy or stupid, <laughs> it was a great idea. And I got tons of support. And um and then I shelved it. I thought I was going to wait until the end of the season when I'd have more time. Um, as we were getting into the 2020 season, there was a lot of things on, on my plate. And I wanted to be sure that I was dedicated to the time I needed um, for the for my job and the core responsibilities of my job. And then COVID hit. And um, I had a great conversation with um, Lisa Figabam, who's my season, my uh, my episode one of season one. And I was, t- I was she was one of the individuals I had had a call with. She's like, yeah, you got to do it. Just do it. Just call me next week. We'll record. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. She's like, I don't care. You can do it. I'm like, all right, cool. And so she gave me the encouragement I needed just to just not worry about it being perfect. I think that was key. Um, you know, it wasn't about perfection. It was about learning as I go. And, you know, the product at the end of the day was going to help people. And that was right. the focus, not not about anything else. And so I was I was able to do that. So um happy I was able to do it. I'm excited about season two. Um, it's great conversations. It takes a lot of time, as you know, um, but you know what, <laughs> Definitely. time, time is an illusion. You have all the time in the world. Yeah. So. I mean, I just said it to you when we got on the call is I would way rather be busy than bored. And, uh, during quarantine, when it first started and, you know, I was, everyone's getting laid off. I was one of those people and it was just like, wow, I, um, kind of enjoyed having work every single day, all day, <laughs> like, let me not take that for granted anymore. So now I've just created two jobs for myself and there uh, here we go. Yeah. I'm the same. I, I'm, <laughs> if I'm sitting still, I will create work. I'll read a book or my husband's like, can you just stop? I'm like, no. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I know. So it's something about, I think my mind just is constantly going all the time. Like even at night when I'm trying to go to sleep, it's like, con- I think that's when my mind, my chatter and my brain is the loudest, but I've got notes in my phone that are like at two o'clock in the morning and like, they're they're my brain works so well when it's on like half a sleep mode me but, too uh, <laughs> me too I'm a I'm about a four hour average sleeper um and you're right it was probably like after 11 p.m that 11 to 2 a.m that's my golden time and uh mm-hmm. I don't know since I was younger I don't know about you but like I didn't have a bedtime as a kid I was like you know my mom didn't have rules and so I stayed up and I sort of tapped into that like I never forced myself to go to bed. I just pass out. (laughs) I know. I I think people, my dad would always be like, you need at least eight hours of sleep. And I'm like, I think I function better off of like five or six hours than I do with more sleep. I'm just groggy throughout the day. And that's not good because I've got a lot of work to do throughout the day. So, Right. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. So you talked a little bit about, um, the guests that you had on your first podcast and how important it is that you had that person that kind of gave you that push that you needed. So I wanted to know if there's any other experiences that you've had throughout your career where somebody has been really influential in helping you climb that corporate ladder. Yeah, I think there's been a number of people who have, you know, supported me, sponsored me, you know, given me the motivation that I needed to keep going. Um, I will say I'm a, I'm an individual that I don't need a lot of extra push, but it's more in the sense of that confidence, that belief in you. I think that that right there is is huge. And I've had some phenomenal leaders. I think that, that that's key is when you're when you're looking for an opportunity who you align yourself with and individuals that are going to invest in you, um, I think is going to, is really, really important. So, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to, to the leaders I've had throughout my, my career. Um, I've had three, uh, three great ones in Indiana with the Pacers with Jake Vernon and Doug Dawson and Ben Milsom. And then, you know, I was, I went on to um, the NBA league office where, um, you know, Chris Granger and Amy Brooks, and I was surrounded by leaders at the league office. Everyone was a leader, um, which I think was was really key and um, allowed me to sort of be sharp and iron sharpened, iron sharpens iron. So I was very um, lucky and beneficial to be amongst that environment. Um, and then working for Brad Sins, um, you know, at the Cleveland Cavaliers, one of the most intelligent individuals I've ever worked for. Um, and his belief in me was extremely powerful. And then now to be trusted by my current leader, John Walker, um, again, just wanting to make sure that I'm someone he can rely on and trust. Um, and again, it's very, very motivating to me to, to deliver for him and be someone that he can trust and rely on uh, to accomplish the goals of this organization that we've laid out. I think that's important. What you said is iron uh, strengthens iron. And um, it's no doubt that you've got to have a certain type of personality and um, a certain charisma about you to be able to be so successful within so many different organizations within the sports industry. Um, So knowing how you've been helped throughout your career, um, your personal morals and aspirations for yourself on the flip side what has been your thorn or like the hardest thing for you working in the sports industry I I would say the hardest thing for me has been just that sense that you feel like you're ready for more but more is not there you know like when you feel like you you you've reached this sense of capacity in the role and you're just like I need a breakthrough I have so much more to give but I can't give more because I'm sort of bound to my responsibilities um that was probably the, the hardest thing and and it's reflective of my career path Hence why, you know, I left Indiana Pacers to go to the league and why I left the league to go to the Cavs and why I left the Cavs to come here is because I get to this point where, you know, I've talked about this before in other conversations. I feel like I'm graduated and it's like, could you imagine graduating your senior year, but yet they hold you back? Yeah, (laughs) right. Or you're held back just because that's just the rules of being Mm -hmm. held back. Um, I'm ready for college. I'm ready for my master's. I'm ready for my doctorate. Um, So it's that sense of graduation, I, I would say. And I wouldn't consider it it's hard to say it's a thorn in my side, but it's that thing, you know, that unlocks sort of this next level for me. Um, and I don't allow myself just to wait it out. You know, I think it's key that I just, I, I would burst, you know, at the seams of understanding that I have some, something more to give um, and I'm not able to give it, you know? So that's, right. that's sort of that, that feel I would say in terms of thorn 
Yeah, that makes sense for sure. I like love the way that you're using all of these analogies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I need to get a book of analogies. I don't know where they came from. I clearly read too much, but (laughs) that's great though. It's great for podcasting. Ever find yourself mindlessly browsing online? It's all fun and games until you see something you actually kind of want. To make sure you're not dreaming, you text your friend a link. What do you think of this jacket? You ask. By the time you hear back, you're on to other things. A product forgotten, a cart abandoned. Until now, Fivo is revolutionizing the way we shop. It's an e-commerce solution for brands to take back their consumers' engagement onto their own domain. Because you deserve that jacket. Fivo believes just as strongly in championing women in the workforce as it does revolutionizing the way we shop. That's why Fivo has partnered with the Denver Women's Sports Collective to provide resources, counsel, and strategic investment toward female professional growth. We at Fivo are proud to support the DWSC in 2021 and beyond. All right, so switching gears here a little bit, if you could talk to your younger self, what would you say to her about your professional career? Hmm. You know, it's really funny because I asked this question in my podcast. I have <laughs> no you? idea how I would answer it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think know, half I, the questions that I ask my guests, I'm like, I don't know how I would answer that. <laughs> Most of my I can answer. This is a hard one. This has always been a hard one for me because I think looking back, what I would tell myself is like, your vision is possible. Like, it's when I was younger, I had the vision of living out the life I'm living and the, and from kids to marriage, like I married my high school boyfriend, you know, like I, I literally, the vision has always come true because I've made it come true. I've, I've willed it to come true. I've put the steps in place to make sure that, you know, I, I I'm, it's almost like this concept of like, don't dream, just do it you know, kind of concept. And that's what I would probably tell my, my younger self is, you know, your vision will happen if you allow it to happen and you have to make it happen. And I think that's the secret of unlocking dreams and potential and the vision you have for your life. Um, the only thing getting in your way or can get in your way is you. And I think that that's just something that's so powerful to understand as a kid, because as a kid, you know, there's so many things that are happening in your life that you think it's not you know, like that everybody, the world is against you sometimes if you're somebody who grew up in a situation where you feel like there's been a lot of barriers or challenges. And I, and I was that kid. And for some reason, I never doubted myself because I only had myself to trust like or to rely on. So right. just almost that reassurance that I was going to be okay. You know, I think that's what I would tell myself. Right. So speaking to that, throughout your career, how did you know that this corporate ladder that you were climbing was the right one for you? I think it's a tap in of, of that feeling. I think no different than any relationship you have. It's about a love. It's about a feeling of love. I love what I do. There's a true love in, in the work I do. And I felt, and I know that sometimes it's hard for people to understand because I'm, I'm selling something. Um, but I don't see it so much as a transaction. It's more in the sense of making a difference in somebody else's life you know, they don't know what the experience will be like until they buy the ticket and they come out to the game or the match, right? That moment could be the moment that inspires the young girl to want to live out her dream of playing sports. Like I, I tap into that experience because I had it, you know, 
Um, it could be the memory that you have that you always remember with your father or your sister or your mother at this event. Um, it could be the moment where, you know, your business has closed this huge deal because they, they hosted their potential client at your game. You know, I, I feel just so connected to that opportunity to make a difference through the power and platforms of sports um, that I love it so much that it just continues to drive, you know, the career path. Um, I think if I hit some place where I wasn't feeling the, that love and that, 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 um, the reciprocal passion, um, I probably would have went another path, but it just keeps growing, you know, gotcha. it, it, it keeps growing. So you've been with the Houston Dynamo for three years. So is this the end all be all for you? Do you think you're going to stay here at, we'll stay in Houston or do you see yourself possibly going to another organization so it's been two it's been two years this is the beginning of the third season so i'm at the right. start of the third year um you know my goal in every situation is to grow with the organization the goal is never to move on the goal is always to put everything into the role it is grow with that organization and take it to the next level so as where i sit today my goal and what my focus is is be able to deliver um, at a level that if my president were to leave, that I would be somebody that the ownership group would consider as a potential next person up. Um, that's my goal. I can't make that decision for them. But all I can do is do everything in my power to be in the position to do that if I feel like that's the path I want and the capacities of which I could deliver on, right? Um, so that's where my growth mode is at this point. Could I be the next person um, in the event that he were to leave, right? So, um, and right now my goal is to support him and make sure that he's continuing to be elevated in his role. Um, so my goal is always to stay, always to be in that market and to grow and to contribute to the things I started here. Um, if the opportunity isn't here, then obviously, yeah, I will be open to, to moving. I think my, my career path has proven that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so if you could create your dream job in your dream city, what would, with your dream team, if you even want to go that far, what would that look like for you? you? That's a time machine. I think, I think <laughs> I'm going into a time machine, going back to like 1996, you know, Chicago Bulls when Michael Jordan was on the team. Oh my uh, gosh. That's my time machine dream job right there. Uh, that would be amazing. That would be incredible. I'll come and <laughs> I'll come join you. <laughs> so what drives you? Like, how do you, from a day-to-day -day basis, like what, what drives you? What keeps you going? You know, I think it goes back to the love of what I do. You know, just knowing that every day I have the opportunity to make a difference. And if I, if I stop and settle, then I'm potentially putting myself in a position to not help somebody um, or be a part of a the success of the organization and the potential of what that can mean for the whole community. I mean, think about this, you know, I, in general, like my experience with the Cavs is a great example. You know, we won a championship in 2016. And I always knew the impact that a team has, you know, when they're successful. I was, you know, I was, I grew up as a Pistons fan, you know, the Pistons won in 89 and 90. They won again in 2004 um, mm -hmm. when I was in, when I was uh just in college. Yeah, I was like a junior in college. And it was huge. It was game changing for Detroit, for the city, how, how you feel. It's amazing. Even people who aren't diehards, you feel so right. connected that them winning and what that means about you, that means you're a winner because you you have some connection to that state. Exactly. The city. It's, a, it's amazing um, that impact. And so I know that as a revenue person, 
every dollar that we bring into this organization gets reinvested right back into the experience as well as the, the what's happening on the pitch or on the court or the field, right? Um, and the players. So I feel I feel like personally you know, responsible that what the role I play has an impact of, of driving an opportunity to bring a championship to an organization and you know bring an influx of economic growth and opportunity to a city and, and to their fans. And I think that's I think that's big. And so it's a big, big motivator for me to to be in a situation to grow an organization so that we could win championships for its fans in this community. For sure. I love that. That's awesome. Um, do you have any advice for somebody who maybe wants to get into the sports industry, doesn't necessarily have all of the tools to get themselves there on their own? What would you say to them? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing, my, my general advice I, I'd like to share is, you know, knowing who you are and who you want to be is probably one of the greatest assets you can have. Um, I'm sure you run into this all the time is that you get into these conversations, especially with up and coming or just graduated individuals, and they don't know what they want, you know, and it's like, well, what, what makes you happy? You know, <laughs> like what yeah. tap into the passion first, because again, if you can make your passion, your purpose, think about the life you can lead when you're doing something that you absolutely love. Um, what are the things you're good at, you know, and, and start to tap into, you know, those things, you know, those things for years, um, for some reason, maybe you haven't started to explore career opportunities in that path, but I encourage you to, because as soon as you can identify what you want and, and knowing who you are, so you can bring your authentic self to that opportunity, um, then it's going to be really hard for you to get individuals to help you, Right. I can't help you if I don't know what your, what your goals are. And I think yeah, that if you don't know either. It's a little difficult. Right. It's like, come right. back when you know what you, what you <laughs> want, because I think that's the, that's the hard part. And I don't know about you, but I felt like for years in high school, when I was growing up in high school and college, I was like, it's okay. No, it's not okay. I don't think that's mm -hmm. my, I don't think it's okay. I think it's important that you, you try something out and it's okay if you fail and it's okay if you change your mind. But you won't know until you start to like actually pursue it. And I think we hold ourselves back. There's a lot of individuals I feel like that hold themselves back for even attempting to try um, to live out their dream, you know, and do this something they love. I mean, look at you in your podcast, you know, like I think that's a great example. Like yeah. you're going to take the steps because this is something that you love and, um, and something you want to pursue. Um, now somebody yeah. can help you get there. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely asked those questions when I first showed up to Denver Women's Sports Collective mm -hmm. event where they were like, oh, you don't work in sports? Like, what are you doing here? They didn't say <laughs> that. I had, that was my thought in my head about the whole situation. Um, I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I ended up sitting down with the vice president, Christina Mooney, and she was like, well, what do you want to do? You're not working in sports right now. Like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well... I mean, the goal at the end of the day would to have a pot would be to have a podcast. That's the ultimate goal. Uh, but I don't think that there's a lot of opportunities for people who are just graduated, uh, don't really have their foot in the door, just moved to a new city, so don't really know too many people. And she was like, "All right, you want a podcast? Like, go do a mock podcast. Send it to me by next week, and we'll see if you're good or." If we don't answer you, then you know why. <laughs> but uh, apparently they saw a little something in me. So um, yeah, now we're three episodes 
into this. And um, it really was just me trying to put myself out there and really figuring out like, okay, I really do want to do podcasting. And I, I know it might not be financially what I can do at this time, but I can still be passionate about it. I can still do it in my spare time. And then everything will fall into place eventually. So when you don't know, I mean, to your point where it can lead financially right now, you're making an investment for the future self, your future self. And that's the, that's the key is that so often we don't take that first step of investing in ourselves. That's the important part. And I said, that's the advice. Take the step regardless of, you know, maybe what you think, because you never know where it's going to lead. And in you taking that risk and going into a room where you didn't maybe feel like you belonged, you found an opportunity that's hopefully mm-hmm. setting you on path to your goals. And congratulations. I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I talk about this uh, quite often, but the inner monologue, if you have it and it is negative, find ways to just quiet that please (laughs) for your, for your mental health, for, (laughs) for everyone else's sake, you got to put your talents in your, uh, yeah, you got to put your talents out there and don't listen to that negative inner monologue. Um, that's a good good point because if you are somebody who has a negative inner monologue, like my recommendation is write that, write it down, mm -hmm. write down and get it out of your head and put it somewhere in a book and then put it away. So you don't have to, you can, you can literally shut it up. You know, sometimes you have to physically do something um, to get out of your head constantly. It will, it will stay there. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Cause I actually, I used to love writing growing up in school and um, I was a sports reporter for a newspaper actually. Like an actual uh, paper newspaper? Yeah, a physical <laughs> newspaper. Nobody ever looked at it, but I can say that <laughs> I did that. I wrote in newspapers. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of times throughout my journey that is really just starting um, where I felt like, you know, imposter syndrome. I didn't really feel like I belonged. And um, again, the inner monologue was like, yeah, you don't belong. But there were other people in my life that were like, Ryan, you're really good at this. Like you should do it. You love doing this. Like you need those people in your life, in your life. And you, you talked about that earlier is really surrounding yourself with those, those people who are going to believe in you and make you that better person. And really help push you along. I mean, it seems like you don't really suffer too much as much as I do, at least from the negative thoughts in your head, but, um, to each their own. I mean, yeah, um, I had, I had, I had, you know, to be completely transparent, like I had tons of negative thoughts and those negative thoughts were, I had to process through them as a younger child. And so in the younger days of my life, 10 to 13, 14, 15, like that was the most challenging. And once I was able to break through that, I mean, it allowed me to grow from it really. Um, but I, I shut them up a long time ago. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I was going to ask you if there's any point, um, throughout your career, I mean, in even earlier on where you, um, kind of like doubted yourself and felt like maybe you couldn't do this or this wasn't the right option for you and how you kind of overcame that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. So, um, you know, that first opportunity with the, with the Pacers, um, in my second year with the team, I was number one in group sales. I was tre- treading along. I, I was sort of starting to identify that, you know, maybe leadership was the path I wanted to take from that position. And um, lucky uh, for me, and also kind of sad because my first like direct leader 
um, decided to leave the organization. He was sort of leaving, taking another path, and it opened up a manager spot. Um, he was a director, but they were going to hire a manager uh, to replace him. And the, I was asked to step up and interview for him. I was Ooh, there. You yeah, go. Like, this is it. Like this is my opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like the stars are aligning. Like I've, I've seen this sort of happening um, in the vision perspective of where I wanted to, to lead, and I was set myself up to be a, a good candidate, which I was excited about. But ultimately, there was another guy in my team, um, one of my peers, who was also asked to step up and have this interview. And for me personally, I thought, no, like, there's no way this guy's going to get it. Because <laughs> like, he didn't like sales. Like, he was doing sales as a stepping stone to get to another area in the business. He wasn't, gotcha. he, he was good at sales. He just wasn't, it wasn't his passion like it was mine. And so I, I convinced myself that there's, there's no way this job is mine. There's no way this isn't going to happen. And um, ultimately, uh, he got it and I did it. And I was oh. crushed. I mean, this is the first time I felt like, I'd gone after something I didn't, I actually didn't get. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I had generally I accomplished all the little things I was trying to accomplish to lead up to that one point. Right. And that one point was like, <laughs> you know, and um, well, it stab really, in the heart. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was really, really, it was really hard. And mm-hmm. um, I struggled with it. You know, I think that was a really big thing. And I don't know what it was. It was like, I got, I got mad, you know, like I got, I got, it was less about being, I was angry. I was like really angry inside. It was like a fire um, that really burned. And I thought to myself, you know what? I said, screw this job. Like screw the fact that I wanted to be the manager. This is like completely inspired me that someday, like I want to be a vice president now. And I want to be in a position where I'm making these decisions. It was like mm-hmm. inevitable that this was going to be my focus now. Like, I need to think beyond that role now. And and so I left, I went to the Detroit Lions and I was like, to be a vice president, I need to, I need to broaden my experience and sell season tickets because at the Pacers, I was only selling groups. So I left the Lions. So new league, new organization selling and um, did really well. Sold season tickets really well. And then about six months later, they called me back. The Pacers called me back and said, we we're, we're we're shifting again. The, the individual we hired, we're actually moving him into the role, into the department in which he was more aligned for. Um, and we'd love to talk to you about coming back as a director now. So I'm 24. I had this opportunity to be a director of group sales for an organization I loved, and wow. I felt like I had grown and worked to be in that role. So I sucked up my pride and went back to the Pacers. I'm so happy I did. I got to you know strengthen my relationship with my leaders. I got to learn a lot about the politics and the process. And, you know, it was one of those moments that, you know, if I, I wonder what would have happened if I would have stayed versus leave. I always wonder that, you know, um, mm-hmm. I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> For a reason. No, that fire got sparked in you and you just blazed your own trail. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Like if you haven't heard already, listen to you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So do you have any final advice, tips, tricks, resources that you'd like to leave to our audience members? You know, I I think my biggest thing is, you know, like I said before, you know, there's an opportunity for you to make your passion, your purpose. If this truly is your passion to work in the sports industry, make it happen. Don't let anything get in your way. 
you know, you are probably the biggest barrier from you getting from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow. Yep. So continue to push through, continue to build your network, do your research, become a, become a student, you know, of sort of the industry, but also don't forget to also be that athlete, you know, and, and when you work hard and you, and you bring leadership and work hard and give this openness to learning, it's going to continue to come to um, accelerate your opportunities so you can get to where you want to be. I think that's the key of, of the podcast I launched. It's about, it's about really uncovering the fact that there isn't one path to get there. It's your path. And your path is going to make and create light for others, but they're also going to always take their own path too. Um, and so I think that's really important and I hope people are encouraged by that. And um, I just very much thank you for this opportunity. Congratulations on the launch of your guys' podcast. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. And after everyone is done listening to this episode, go stream, binge watch uh, Women Blazers. Check out Deanna on LinkedIn. Instagram and thank you so much for having a chat with us on a little combo and we will see you next time. Thank you, Ryan.